have everlasting life. Again, this Bible verse speaks of the love of God. And great is the love of God. It's probably hard for us even in a sense to define the love of God because we don't often see the love of God. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. The other John 3.16 in the Bible, I believe is helpful and beneficial in explaining what the love of God is about. Again, John 3.16 tells us about the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's an amazing love that God has for the world. But we see here also in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says here, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. This morning I want to consider this thought, how can we perceive the love of God? Maybe you haven't really perceived it. Maybe you haven't believed it. But I want you to do it this morning. Let's pray as we consider this thought. Father, thank you, Lord, again for your word here today. Thank you again for the, the scriptures that help us to understand what love is truly about. Father, so much in the world is, is uh, uh, sold to an extent and, and again, uh, shown an extent to us as being love, but it's far from love as we see in the Bible. And as we again look at the love of God, Help us to perceive it and even believe it if we don't already. And help us to be blessed by a message here this morning on the love of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's hard to, again, uh, talk about something you can't truly perceive like you can perceive other things. You know, perceiving is about being able to again, uh, really understand something, be able to uh, be aware of something because of your senses, your senses. If in a few minutes we had a skunk uh, go by the back door here, you wouldn't have to see it, would you? But you'd perceive it. You'd smell it, more than likely. Because it'd walk by the door, it'd probably get scared to look in here and say, look at all these scary people, and all of a sudden they'd have... And do use its defenses, and before you know it, the waft of the smell of the skunk would come into the building, and you'd say, I, I perceive that we have a skunk around our building today. And that's perception, that's our senses being able to perceive something. Perception is about having the ability to sense something through our senses, especially that of sight or smell. Uh, we don't have to see something to be able to perceive it. We don't have to, again, necessarily see, again, an incident without knowing about it. Again, someone could be in their house and all of a sudden they smell some smoke in the house. And I, I tell you this, you know that there's some smoke wafting somewhere from some fire or something along that lines. We perceive things through sight. We perceive things through smell. We perceive things through touch. We perceive things through all our five senses. But when it talks about perceiving the love of God, how can we perceive that? First John tells us here how we can perceive this. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How can we see or perceive the love of God? By understanding that God laid down his life for us. And again, to understand the love of God, you've got to understand he laid down his life for you. 
and for me. And it also says that we ought to lay down our lives to the brethren. You say, how could some people perceive the love of God? They can see the love of God for, in others, shown towards the brethren, shown towards other people. And so as we speak about the perceiving of the love of God, I want us to understand that we cannot perceive this love by seeing it, or smelling it, or touching it, or whatever kind of senses we have. We're not going to perceive it that way. We're going to perceive it by two means, by the scriptures and by faith. We're going to see it and perceive it. And so let's consider the love of God. You know, 1 John and John both talk much about the subject of the love of God. John, the beloved, spoke on this subject very often. In fact, I want to read here a little bit about the love of God. We'll begin here in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 1, and we'll skip over some verses and we'll read towards the end of the chapter as we see some 20-some references to love of God just in one chapter here in the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, Beloved, believe not the, every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Skip to verse number 7. Beloved, let us, not, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. For he, loveth, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We ran through a number of loves already. And this was manifest, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son in the world that we might live through him, hearing his love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, ought we also to love one another? No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we, know, we are known and believe that the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may be, have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that Feareth is not perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He even speaks of love in the next verse. Let me read that. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment that we hear of him, that, we, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. There are over 20 references to the word love here in this chapter of the Bible. The word beloved is also mentioned here in the Bible. It means to be much loved or loved of God. The word love is used here, and the word loveth is used here a lot of times here. 
in this particular passage. But notice just a few of those loves here. In verse number 7 it says, Beloved, let us not love, uh, sorry, and let us love one another, for God is love, uh, for, sorry, for uh, love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. In verse number 8 it says, He that loveth not knoweth God, uh, not God, for God is love. Love is of God, and God is love. Can someone know really about love without knowing God? I believe it's hard. But if we were to look at the Bible, we could find out what the love of God is about. We can perceive it. We can believe it. We can observe it. We can know it. Verse 16 in this chapter, it says, And we have known and believed that the love of God hath to us. We have known it and believed it. For the believer, they, they've known it and believed the love of God that he has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love loveth uh, in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And today, I, I mean, I, I don't believe that I'm the best, probably, person in the Bible can explain the love of God to anyone. But I believe the scriptures can. And so I ask that you would just follow along today so that you might perceive what the love of God is. And you might see from the word of God what it's about. But see, you're not going to see it through your senses. You're not going to observe it through your ears. You're not going to smell it with your nose. But you can find it from the word of God. In 1 John chapter 3, verse number 16, the Bible says in a very important verse in the Bible, hereby perceive we the love of God. But it's because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives to the brethren. As we consider perceiving the love of God, I want to say first of all, we perceive the love of God in the care of God. In the awesome care of God. I cannot probably explain this as I should, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That means that any person in this world that is a sinner that needs salvation, can be saved and not perish because God loves them. And God loves you. This love of God is one that can only be perceived by the scriptures and seeing the scriptures and knowing the God of the scriptures and seeing the care of God in the scriptures. And so I say, first of all, to see the love of God and perceive it, you've got to understand the care of God. He loves the whole world. Do you understand that? And he loves you. And he loves me. This is an amazing love. This love is not restricted like our love is. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We are able to love. We're the, we are able to love because God has loved us. We are able to manifest the love of God. We, we perceive it through his laying down his life for us. And we can perceive it by seeing others lay down their lives to the brethren. You can see the love of God in the missionary giving his life on the mission field and staying away from his children for many, many years because he loves God. Can you see that? You can see that in the missionary. You can see that in people that love God. They lay down their life as Jesus laid down his life for us. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4, speaking of the love of God, 
We understand by words, adjectives that describe the love of God. And let me say, first of all, here as we can perceive the care of God, the love of God is great and abounding. It is great and it is abounding. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says, For God, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love worth, and he loved us, even where we're dead in sins, hath quickened us together, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, you can read those verses, and I can read these verses, and we can just say, well, that explains some things about salvation. But notice what it says about God here in verse number uh, 4, and it says about his love, it says, but his great love worth, and he loved us. His great love worth, and he loved us. And you go back and see who he loved, it says, it mentions there, verse number 2, the children of disobedience, and verse number 3, the children of wrath. It's amazing that God would love the children of disobedience and the children of wrath. Imagine that with the name of your children. I'm not saying that's the name of your children, but what if your children were the children of wrath and children of disobedience? It's amazing that God would not limit his love to those who want to follow him and praise him, love him, adore him, give gifts to him, honor him. But it mentions here that his great love, wherein he loved us, when we were dead in trespasses and sin. It's amazing for someone to love in such a way. Love the children, again, who disobey him, the children who may speak ill of him, children may use his name in vain. All people. Again, and understand this love, notice in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 19, perceiving the love of God, you find again some verses in the book of Ephesians that talk about the love of God, his great love, his great and abounding love he has to us. That's the care of God. He cares for all. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 19, it says, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that he might be filled with the fullness of God. Let's back up there a little bit. Let's verse, read verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that you being uh, rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. This love of God is amazing. It has depth to it, it has length, it has breadth, it has height to it. And we cannot really truly in some ways perceive the love of God because it passes knowledge. You can use all kinds of adjectives and adverbs or whatever it might be to try to describe the love of God, but the love of God is amazing. It is abounding. It is great. You say, why is it that God can love so much and love so many? Because... Again, I'm not going to have you turn there, but John chapter 4, verse number 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. God is a spirit, and so his capacity to love is greater than our capacity. I'm one person. I can love so many people. So many people can love me. 
I'm one person. I'm confined by space. I'm confined by time. But think of God's love. It goes beyond this. Because his love is not confined by space or time. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. What's amazing and abounding about God's love is he has loved every person that's ever been born to this world. He will love every person that he has ever created. He will love into eternity. He loved Adam. He loved Abraham. He loved Jacob. He loved Nadab and Abihu. He loved, again, as you go down through the names that are given to us in the scriptures, he, he loved Ahab. He loved Jezebel. He, he loved, again, you can go into the good names and the bad names in the Bible. You can look at Moses and Joshua and Caleb and Samson and every name you can come up with and could ever come up with. There's a lot of strange names of people maybe today that people will come up with. They'll even call people after uh, different places and, and uh, experiences and might call their kids something very odd and, and that sort of thing. But every one of those people God is able to love. You say, why? Well, let me take you to a verse that will help you explain who God is. And understanding God will help us to understand how his love is abounding and it's great and it's amazing. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. God's love is great because he's changeless. God's love is great because he's loved millions and billions. And, and like us, we may love some, but he loves all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You would say, well, maybe there's some he doesn't really like. And there's some he didn't love. Well, let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. The truth is, confined by a body and a lifetime, we are limited in our love. A body and a lifetime, we're limited by our love. We're also limited by, we need to experience the love of God to be able to, again, personify the love of God towards others and also learn to love others. You know, there might be someone in our history, I mean, when we first got saved by grace, that we might look back at and say, you know, that person is not someone I'm going to show love to. And again, I'm, that's not a person I'm going to try to love. I'm just going to kind of skip by loving them. Although we should love others as God has loved us, I'm going to skip by that. That might be us. We might limit our love. But notice here in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse number 8 through verse number 11. God loves all. Verse number eight, it says, When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not warn the wicked from his way, that that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, in his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he will not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, although son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus uh, ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked man turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. 
For why will you die, O house of Israel? God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now, it has no, again, desire to see the wicked die in their iniquity and perish in their iniquity. Our flesh may limit us in love. Our flesh may limit us due to tiredness or, or physical uh, limitations or mental limitations or limited when it comes to time and, and place and persons and all those kinds of things. But God loves all, even the wicked. Even the worst of people, God loves. When we think about John 3, 16, understand that the wicked are involved there. Turn to John, uh, sorry, Romans uh, chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. When we think about the love of God, it's maybe not so easy to perceive, again, through human eyes, and certainly we cannot perceive it through our, our senses. I mean, I guess some saw through their senses. When Jesus laid down his life on the cross, that soldier said, truly this is the Son of God. He perceived who Jesus was. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6, the Bible speaks again on the love of God. He, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for the scarcity for a righteous man would one die, yet peradventure for a good man would some would even dare to die, but God commended his love towards us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more we shall be re uh, reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so we see the love of God there. In verse number Seven, it says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. You know, some would die for a good man. But Jesus died for wicked men and bad men and bad women. Our flesh limits us. But we see the scriptures show us the love of God. We see the care of God here. He commended his love towards us as sinners. He gave his blood that we might live. Let's turn to 1 John chapter 1. Again, understanding the love of God, we see again the abounding, great love of God that is explained in the Bible. We also see here in 1 John Chapter 1, if you turn back there to the back of your Bible, towards the back of your Bible, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5, there's something about the character of God that also allows God to love in an amazing and abounding way. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5, it says here, This then is a message we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The care of God, we see that God is light. God's love is glorious because it's not marked by darkness. There's not an opportunity for God to show anything but love. He is not selfish like we are. He's not sinful like we are. We being marred by sin and marred by darkness and selfishness, or not as God is. God's love is defined by light, by holiness, by righteousness, 
by perfection. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Perceiving the love of God. Someone says, well, you say God's love is amazing. You say his care shows his love. Well, we see again his care here in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 44. His care is not about talking about words as someone's love for someone else might be. They might say, I love you, whatever, but their words, again, may not manifest the same thing. The Bible here, again, defines the love of God in a perfect kind of a way. Matthew 5, verse 44, it says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. That's a command. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. And if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? If you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. And so the Bible speaks of a perfect love here in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 44. It's the Father's love. It's God's love. It's God's love for his enemies. You see that there. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. And do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. When Stephen prayed in death, when Jesus prayed in death for his enemies, they were personifying the love of God. Love your enemies. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father is perfect. God's love is perfect. It's not pharisaical. It's not, again, limited to, again, uh, love at, at some points and not love at other times. It's always ever manifested towards both those that are saved and those that aren't saved. It says in verse 45, that you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. He maketh his Son to rise on the evil and the good. He sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. Continually pours out his love upon all men. If they don't care a bit about God or think one thing about God or love God or like God or have anything they want that's connected with God, Again, the love of God is different. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. Hebrews chapter 12. It's a perfect kind of a love. It's a love towards enemies. It's a love towards friends. It's not limited, again, to certain people and, and limited by time or persons, not by personalities, not by person types, whatever it might be. Hebrews chapter 12 here. In verse number 5, we also see the love of God here. Uh, Presented in the Bible as precious or profitable. Again, you'll understand this in just a moment. I'm going to read through this quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 5, it says, And ye have, for Satan the, uh, for, ye have forgotten the exhortation that speaketh unto his children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth you as with sons, for whom, for what son is he whom the father chases not? But if you be without chastisement, therefore you are, are all our partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have 
fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence, shall we not uh, so much, shall we not much rather be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby, or by lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make uh, straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, perceiving the love of God, one might not see, again, chastening from the Lord as being loving. But the Lord loveth as the Father loves. And the Bible says he loves for our profit. He loves for our good. He loves for our benefit. In verse number 10, it says there, for verily for a few days chasten us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. God loves his children to perfect them. He chases them, he punishes them, and chastens us to our profit to make us better and for our own good. The love of God can be perceived and him chastening his own children. We can see God's love, again, is with his love for his enemies. Let's continue to look at the love of God. Let's turn back there to 1 John again. 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 16. Again, I hope you know this is another 316 in the Bible. Maybe someday you can memorize it along with John 316 and say, you know, I know two John 316. Surprise someone maybe with that someday. Because this one helps to find it too. First John chapter 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How do we perceive the love of God? Through his care for us. Well let me speak here hopefully briefly and quickly on the subject of his character. His precious character. How do we know that God loves us? Through his care, but also his character. Let's turn to uh, Psalm chapter 145. We know and believe that God loves us. You say, how do we know he loves us? Through his care. He loves the whole world. He shows his love toward the lost and the saved. He shows his love through chastening his children. How do we perceive this love of God, though? Let's turn to Psalm 145 by his loving goodness towards us and all people. Let's look at this just a little bit. Psalm 145 and verse number 8. Psalm 145 and verse number 8. We'll read there to verse number 10, and then we'll continue on there. Verse number 14 through 17, and then read verse 19, also this chapter Psalm 145, verse number 8. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anchor and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. 
All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord. Thy saints shall bless thee. Why would the saints bless them? Let's just stop there for a little bit. Because verse 9 says the Lord is good to all. Why would you bless the Lord? Because he's good to all. He's not good to some. He's not good to the lucky. He's good to all. And so he's known for his divine goodness. Look at verse 14. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raises up all those that bow down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in their due season. Thou openest thy hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his way, holy in all his works. The Lord is nigh unto all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. The Lord preserves all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak uh, the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. The perfect character of God. That's how we know he loves us. He's good to all, all the time. He lifts up those that are bowed down, verse number 14. He raises up all those that are bowed down. The eyes of the Lord, uh, the eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat season. Thou openest thy hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. He provides for all. We can see that. The goodness of God is, a, a, he provides for all. You know, you as a father or a family might provide for your children, right? <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm glad for you. That's a good thing. God provides for all. This provision extends to all. That's the goodness of God. Turn to Romans chapter 2. People have to understand the goodness of God to get saved. Did you understand? I mean, you need to understand that. We as believers need to understand this because we have to somehow convey that in our message to the lost, that God truly loves them personally. Do you really believe that? Does the world believe that? In Romans chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says, Or despises the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. How do you see the goodness of God? You see it in his goodness, being good to all. You see it in his forbearance toward all. You see it in his long-suffering to all. The divine goodness of God can be perceived and believed or it can be rejected. How do we see the perfect character of God in his loving goodness? Let me say this, in his loving graciousness. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. We looked at this, but I want to look at just two verses here. Romans chapter 5, verse number 6 and verse number 8. The Bible says, When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse number 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. Who's us? The ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God has extended grace to us. Grace to all. How do you perceive the love of God? You see the grace that's available to all. You hear it in songs like Amazing Grace. What a wonderful song. 
that God should love a sinner such as I. What a wonderful song. Songs on the goodness and the graciousness of God. Verse 7 says here, For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, per, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But you think about God's love, it's not about loving good men and people that he would all already love, or people maybe of our family, or friends, or our relatives, or acquaintances, but loving for people that despise him, and misuse him, and abuse him, and curse him. God is not unloving. God, people, sometimes people accuse God of being unloving. But God loves, and has chosen to love. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. You know, God could have made love different. But he didn't make love different. Love is about being good to all. Love is about extending grace to all. All people can be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God is gracious to extend his love towards all people, but especially here we see back in the Old Testament, the Jew. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 6, it says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth, the Lord not set his love upon you, nor chose you, because ye were in number, uh, more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep his oath, that he had sworn unto your fathers, had the Lord brought you with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of the bondmen, from the hand of Pharaoh of Egypt, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God chose to love the Jews, and God chose to love you. He chose to love me. You didn't have to choose to do that. You could say, whosoever obeyeth, I'm going to love. Whosoever foweth, I'm going to love. Whosoever does works, I'm going to love. On and on, we could go with that. But he decided to be gracious, to show divine kindness and graciousness in unusual, unnatural, undeserved love that a holy God would love unholy people ungodly people. That's the love of God. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. This love for God is defined also not only by his graciousness and his goodness, but by a gift that we all need. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to end with this point here. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. Love is shown by giving. Love is shown by oftentimes a gift or gifts. In Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, the Bible explains here the love of God in these words. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For me. 
gave himself for me. Does that mean anything to you? <laughs> it does to me. Died for me. The Father gave the gift of his son for me. It's a personal savior. Turn to Psalm 18. I just want to look at a few more verses before we're done. Died for a guilty sinner like me, like you. Psalm 18, verse number 1 and 2. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. My deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation and my high tower. David writes about his God. He's my fortress. He's my rock. He's my deliverer. He's my God. He's my strength. He's my trust. He's my buckler. He's my salvation. He's my high tower. Look at verse number 46 of this same cha uh, chapter. The Lord liveth. And blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. How perceive we the love of God and his character. And this gift of salvation given for me. And for you. The grace of God extends to all. The goodness of God extends to all. And God gave his life for me. So someday I can be with him. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 23. Do you understand the love of God? Hopefully this message will help you at least somewhat perceive it. Perceive it through the words of God, through the character of God, through the care of God. Psalm 23 verse number 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a psalm of David, but it is also for me. It says here especially in verse 1 and verse 6, we can read the whole thing and look at it a lot closer, but it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because of the goodness 
the grace and a gift given to us by God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's turn to 1 John, and we'll close with these verses. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 19 through 21. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. Do you know the love of God? God is love. Love is defined by his nature. God is loving towards all. There is no darkness in him. There's always light. He extends his goodness and his graciousness in a perfect way towards us and all, all people all the time, every day, every moment, every minute. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We love him. Because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he can see, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment that we, we have from that we, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. God loves us for the purpose that we would love other people. Are you manifesting the love of God, believer? And do you know the love of God that God has for us? A perfect love, a precious love, an abounding love he has towards us. Great grace, great character shown towards us by God who loves all and all people. Let's close as we consider the word of God here today.